He's a creator, an innovator. His passion is why we listen. His knowledge is why we want to be educated. He really has spent his life focusing on people that make excuses. With a man who has turned around over 800 bars throughout the world, Bar Rescue's John Taffer. If you do tomorrow what you did today, you will get tomorrow what you got today. Here we go, man. Number 76. I'm John Taffer. This is my No Excuse podcast. And let's jump right into this, man. So last week, we asked some of our listeners, what did you guys want to hear me talk about? And it's fun to do that. You know, the origin of weak willed people. <laughs> that was an interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a bunch. Have have the pardon my take guys on and talk about creative bars. Well, we can do that actually. Yeah, that'd be fun. So, so uh, uh, Dan, uh, the pardon my take, are coming on Bar Rescue next year because I did lose that bet last Stanley Cup and we just couldn't be able to get the scheduling done. But some people have said, hey man, was that bet bullshit with you? No, it's not bullshit. Dan Katz is a good friend. So you will see them on uh, Bar Rescue next season and we'll get them back on, on the podcast for sure. The success rate of the butt funnel. That's an interesting one, Corey. How would you determine success rate of the butt funnel? Well, that's funny because I actually Googled it and tried to look it up, but I figured um, it wouldn't look too hard because that's that's your thing, right? You invented that, right? I did invent it. Well, the butt funnel is a small 30-inch wide opening into a dance floor that causes people's butts to rub together when they enter the dance floor. So it's supposed to create you know some interaction. So I guess the only way I could determine a success rate of a butt funnel is by figuring out how many people had breakfast together the next morning, which is <laughs> really what its intentions yeah. were. Well, okay, so, so Brad Paul P. said, I'd love something like a restaurant marketing tip of the week. Like your go-to thing. Well, you know, we're building Taffer's Tavern right now in Alfreda, Georgia. And I'm pretty excited about it. And and I'm not telling people a lot about it because we're keeping it secret, Corey. Even you, if I tell you, Corey, I'm going to have to kill you. Yeah, I don't know so much. You don't. So we've kept the plans and everything pretty secret. Right now on all the windows is white paper with the words top secret on it. Oh, that's and cool. the space is completely sealed off so nobody can see what we're doing. I've done that for years. I've put white sheets on buildings when I'm remodeling. I put top secret. I'll do countdowns. I'll build all sorts of market creativity uh, uh, and, and interest, market curiosity, I should say, and interest just by playing with things like that. So, you know, if you're going to do your store windows, you're going to introduce a new line, top secret for a night. Wrap the building, wrap it in top secret, reopen tomorrow, take a picture of yourself with armed guards standing in front of the top secret sign, have some fun with it. Boy, Luke Donathan wants to know what my favorite bar rescue is. Mm. That's, you know, what would be my favorite bar rescue? Would it be the highest rated one? Would it be the one I most enjoyed to make? Or would it be the one that's probably the best TV, in my opinion? Because they're all different, Corey. If I would have picked the ones that, that made great TV, I hated making them more. Because unfortunately, the best Bar Rescue episodes have assholes in them. And you got to realize, if you think that guy's a jerk or that girl's a jerk watching it on TV, can you imagine the week I spent with them for five consecutive days? So sometimes the most popular... Uh, TV shows of Bar Rescue, episodes of Bar Rescue, 
are are were the least fun that I could make. You know, some of my favorite spirits on bourbon will always be a favorite of mine. Uh, you know, Brad and, and Steve are very good friends to this day. We communicate very often. I would never go down there without stopping by and saying hello to those guys. And, and uh, you know, we started with a lot of tension between us. So that's, you know, it wasn't, you know, all rosy. That was a tough week. We ended great friends. Uh, Moonshines, uh, Moonshiners uh, is another one in uh, uh, that with the family, the Alexander family that we've developed great friendship with. Those are a couple of my favorites off the top of my head, but there's a good many. Uh, you know, the hurricane episodes, Big Mike's is probably one of my favorite. Of course, Operation Puerto Rico is one of my favorites. Uh, another one would be a, a bungalow bar, which was Superstorm Sandy when we rescued that one. So if I were to have to zero it down, it would probably be uh, the three hurricane bars, uh, just because they seem to mean the most to me emotionally, which would be the bungalow bar episode, uh, uh, Big Mike's, and Operation Puerto Rico. <laughs> so the X-Man 98 said, talk about the poor quality of public university foods. <laughs> I saw that one. So, man, I, I hear you, buddy. So, so uh, I guess if you guys stop buying it, then they'll have to do something. So I think what you guys should do is you should throw some type of a strike for a week or two and do bagged lunch, set up a deal with a deli in town so that they can do half-price sandwiches and stop buying the stuff. You know, the loudest voice often any of us have is our wallet. Think about that, Corey. You talk with your wallet every day, don't you? Yeah. You support things and you don't. So, mm -hmm. you know, the best thing you can do in a situation like that is stop buying it. <laughs> Watch how quickly they start to change when the revenues go down. So what do you think about sober bars? Um, I I would never go to it, um, but I know there's a lot of people out there that pr it's probably a pretty, pretty big market for it. It is. New York, there's a bunch of them now. I wonder when they're going to pop up in Vegas. So the premise of a sober bar is they don't have virgin drinks. You know, it's nothing like that. They have unbelievably mixed, I could say the word cocktails, I guess, but they're non-alcoholic, you know, special fruits and, and, and various spices and, and even molecular uh, cocktails and things. So, you know, I think it's a powerful trend that's going to go on. You know, uh, uh, hard liquor sales and some other sales statistics, beer in particular, is way down. So uh, people that might not want to drink still want that social experience. And he, what I've always said, Corey, is in today's day, I can make whatever I want at home because I can go to a liquor store and they're going to have far more variety than almost any bar, right? Yeah. So I go to the liquor store, buy exactly what I want. So when I'm home, I can make exactly the drink that I want. I can call Uber Eats. I can get just the food that I want, exactly what I want. I can program my own music to get exactly what I want. I can program my satellite system to get exactly what I want. I don't need any bar anymore for product, but I still need it for experience. And when you think about it, you know, those are some of the most important uh, drivers of a bar is experience. So in theory, if the experience is great and the music is great and the environment is great and the staff is great, a sober bar should be fun, right? And there are things to taste and enjoy. It doesn't have to have alcohol. So I think it's an interesting idea and I think it's going to grow. I have a question though. So these sober bars, did, there's no alcohol served whatsoever, right? No. Matter of fact, I don't believe they even have a liquor license. So what I just don't understand, why wouldn't you go to a normal bar and then just not get an alcoholic beverage? Well, because you go to a normal bar, you get a non-alcoholic beverage, you know, and, you, and you're a second-class citizen in many cases. And I've oh, known okay. this as a bar operator. You know, you got to get a Coke, a Diet Coke, a Virgin Bloody Mary. You know, it comes in a different glass. And you're not drinking with other people. A sober bar just evens that playing field. And you're certainly not going to get harassed by a drunk person in a sober bar in theory.
That makes sense. Yeah. So, so you know, it's interesting. We talk about experience. We're building, as I've said, our Taffer's Tavern in, in Alpharetta, Georgia, and we'll, we'll be open in a few months. And, you know, I'm toying with this whole premise of delivery. And I've made the choice uh, to open Taffer's Tavern with no delivery services. And we, are, we have worked in test kitchens for over a year on food product, you know, over a year on presentation, over a year on environmental aspects, technology aspects. And I believe that we're going to introduce what I think is the most contemporary and forward-looking casual dining concept in America. And if I let Uber Eats bring you my hamburger, Corey, home, you get none of that. All you get is a half-hour-old hamburger. Yeah. So it's not indicative of the brand. It's not indicative of the experience that I want to build. So we are actually going to open it without. And when people call, we're going to tell them, we want you to come in and enjoy the experience. So we're going to operate in that way and look at adding a delivery service uh, down the road once we've established our brand. And when you look at a sober bar, that's what they're selling. They're selling an experience. And that experience, if you don't have alcohol, better be great. <clears throat> you better have the music and the environment to make it work. <clears throat> Well, everybody knows this. Hard seltzers are on the rise. So it's going to be a $2.5 billion beverage category by 2021. And hard seltzer has converted beer, wine, and vodka drinkers into hard seltzer. It's not often that a product pulls people from vodka and from beer. Interesting. Normally, you'd pull from one category or the other. And with the exception of, I believe, two Mexican beer companies, you guys would be surprised by this. There's not one beer brand in America, national beer brand, projecting growth next year. All of them are forecasting shrinkage. So beer sales are way down. Seltzer sales are through the roof. If you haven't tried Taffer Seltzer, you should. I'm really proud of it. There's a big difference between Taffer Seltzer and others. When you look at White Claw or Truly, most seltzers are actually malt-based, which means in simplistic terms, they're flavored beer. Taffer's seltzer is based in orange wine. So it's lighter, it's got a cleaner finish, it has a different flavor. The fruit flavors come through more naturally because they're not competing against the heaviness of the malt. It's a very different product. So if you haven't tried one, you really should because you'll see the difference instantly. I'm gonna tell you, we just uh, had a national taste test with BuzzFeed and we blew away both Truly and White Claw. I mean, blew them away in the taste test. I think it's because it's not malt-based. And I'd be curious to know what you guys think, too. Uh, uh, so far, the taste tests have been off the charts. We did a little tasting on a strip last week. Did we post that online yet, Corey? Um, it'll be posted by the time this airs. Oh, okay. We did something, uh, the seltzer test online, sort of like the old Pepsi challenge. We set up a table with a black box and nobody knew which flavor they were drinking. And we did really well, man. They loved the Taffer seltzer. Yeah, yeah, they did. So I was pretty excited about it. So when you think about what's going on this week, Black Friday, but with people spending $150 billion online, you'd think Black Friday isn't what it used to be. Right? I mean, you can't imagine that the mall is going to be as busy as it was years ago, I'm guessing. Right, because Cyber Monday and all that. Yeah, so, so, so you know, I'm guessing and uh, uh, that online is going to empty malls so much. You know, back in 1991, uh, I owned a couple of restaurants in Mall of America, Minneapolis. I owned the Alamo Grill and Gators. And I'll never forget it when, when uh, um, Mall of America opened. It was the largest mall in the world. And it opened, if I'm not mistaken, it was on August 11th, if I'm not mistaken, of 91. 
And, uh, of course, freaking huge with Knott's Berry Farm and amusement, Snoopy's Camp, um, an amusement park in the middle of it, uh, 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 more stores than anybody else had, had 57 restaurants inside Mall of America. And they didn't want any national brands. They wanted all the restaurants to have a local flair. So uh, I had two of them. And we were doing big numbers. Opening day of the mall, most restaurants ran out of food by 2 o'clock, Corey. Wow. I hung in there until about 5.30, and then we were out of everything. That's how <laughs> successful this place was. Jeez. So then it opens, and a month into it, they projected it's now the number one tourist attraction in America. It was going to draw 42 million visitations for the year, which were going to beat the city of Las Vegas. This is back then. So this thing is a fucking monster. And it's packed every day. So all the newspapers ran stories this week of that year about how to survive Mall America on Black Friday. So the Arctic, the headlines, literally, of all the how to survive Mall of America on Black Friday. Bring your own water. <laughs> bring your crazy. own sandwiches. Get there at 7.30 in the morning to get parking. Well, the media blew this up so much that on Black Friday, you could shoot a cannon through this mall. The place was completely freaking empty. Wow. And they destroyed the retail business for us. And, you know, I, I, you think of how many times, you know, the media has manipulated revenue. Well, people don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. They just go online and buy what the hell they want. And uh, uh, that's that. And while you're buying anything you want, on Black Friday tomorrow, I thought I wanted to do something cool for you guys. Check out my merchandise on my Facebook page, at John Taffer right now. My entire shop will be 20% off. And you can get a shut it down button or even a shut it down shirt for you and your whole family. And it's a limited supply, so hurry up. But the shut it down buttons are badass, Corey. We've now uh, sold thousands and thousands of them. You push a button, I scream, shut it down. It's great for phone calls. And of course, our shut it down t-shirts have become famous. But 20% off and some other special deals on my merchandise page on Facebook. So you don't want to miss that. Black Friday statistics, man. So Black Friday is uh, going to drop about $450 million in malls this year, which wow. is pretty much about the same number that uh, um, e-commerce is going to do. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Here are some of the biggest online shopping trends. It's interesting how people find out about, so let's say you land on a retailer uh, website. According to these statistics, and I'm always wondering, you know, being a web-based business too, what makes you come to my page? Well, if you look at retailers, general retailers, 4% of their customers come from a referring domain. So they're clicking through from somewhere. 19% of their hits come from a search, search engine, right? 26% come from direct traffic, which is, uh, you know, something steers you directly to their site. Aided journey. I never heard that term used in this way. An aided journey is when you pay for Google and it's a paid search. So your journey was aided by my money and directed to me. 23% are from email newsletters. 2% only is from social networks. And 1% is from displays, physical displays. So it's interesting. The number one reason why people go to a site is direct traffic. Second is a paid search. Third is email. Social networks are 2%. Now you think about all the time everybody puts in a social network, social, 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 social. You know, I've been saying this for years. It isn't so easy to monetize social. No. And there's the proof. It didn't work. All right, Corey. So 
I got a crackerjack producer here in Corey. <laughs> I love my stats. And where did you find this article? Um, I don't know. Article by John Taffer, June 12th, 2015. Oh, oh the one by you. Uh, yes. So I found it on johntaffer.com um, under one of the, the tabs there. And it said it was an article from 2015 and uh, how to start a small business. And I noticed that a few of your fans wanted to talk about small business. So might as well, you know, bring them both back up. Well, it's funny. I read this, and the first thing I said to you is, did I write this? Yeah, I know. It's like, uh, I think so. <laughs> I did. And I'm looking at it now. So <clears throat> These were when a company does a good job, they make people happy. They laugh, they smile, they have a good time. It's what we do for a living. And any business doing that is making a noble effort. So these were best practices that I identified in 2015, which was a little pre-internet level to it is today. Yeah. Selling begins once customers enter your store. Obviously, uh, um, very critical. People determine what how they feel the first two to three steps in. You know, years ago, I was a consultant to a major retailer whose name I won't mention. I love telling the story. You guys will like this. And I was told to go to study this retailer's business and see if I could come up with anything that would uh, change or otherwise identify weaknesses in their business. Well, when you look at a sales process of a business, Corey, there are barriers that must be broken down. Barrier one, I got to get you to know who the hell I am. Barrier two, I got to get you to come to my store. Barrier three, I got to get you to walk through the front door. Barrier four, I got to get you to touch product. I got to get you to walk to the back of the store. Barrier five, I got to try to sell you something. So there are these inherent barriers that exist in every business. And when I was hired by this large retailer to go study their stores, I'm actually sitting inside the retail store and I'm looking for barriers. And I'm trying to define what are their barriers to growing more business. And I started to identify a really powerful barrier. Let's say you walk into a store and somebody, or I'll use my wife as a good example because uh, 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 this is more of a female oriented. Actually, no, Corey, let's say it's you. Okay. You walk into a store, a salesperson walks up to you and says, may I help you? Nine out of 10, if not 99 of 100 people, no thank you, I'm just looking, right? You don't want the sales guy following you around. Yeah. So one way you're going to blow them off or another. So I come up to you, I say, can I help you? No thanks, I'm fine. And you don't, have some, don't even want me there. Next person, can I help you? No thank you. Can I help you? No thank you. Can I help? Barrier one. Wow, how do I change that? So I put a couple of sales racks in the back of the store. Now you walk into the store, Corey, the salesperson says to you, hi, have you been here before? And you say, yeah, I come all the time. Great, I got a sales rack in the back just for frequent customers. Let me show you. <laughs> I walk into the back of the store. Somebody else walks in a minute later. So a salesperson says, hi, have you been here before? Nope, first time. Great, I got a sales rack in the back just for new customers. I got to show <laughs> you this. He walks into the back of the store. Now, there were two sales racks, and one was for new customers, and one was for frequent customers. So we're not lying. And there was a sale back there. My point is this. By breaking down that one barrier, sales of that retailer went up over 15% overnight. Wow. Overnight. That's crazy. So what are the barriers that exist in our businesses? You know, is there a barrier that happens on the phone of a business? Is there a barrier that happens when you pull in a parking lot? The building looks like shit. That's a barrier. You know, is there a barrier when you walk through the door? It doesn't look right. doesn't smell right. doesn't feel right. We have to break down these barriers in business to provide success. And that's what we're talking about is, you know, these are the barriers. You know, consider how somebody feels when they first enter the store. Consider the lifetime value of your business. You know, there was a guy named Stu Leonard. Great, great dairy and his son. 
now runs it in Connecticut. And, you know, they used to do this thing uh, um, where somebody would come in and say, uh, uh, I'm buying some milk, I'm buying this, I'm buying that. So somebody comes into the store, just buys a gallon of milk, Corey. And let's say that gallon of milk, for conversation's sake, is two bucks. Right. People think that customer is a $2 customer. But yet the average customer came to their store 50 times a year, spent, you know, about $90 each time they come, and came for about three years. So the average customer to them was worth $15,000. Now that customer walks up to the cash register to buy one gallon of milk for $2. Should he be treated like a $2 customer or a $15,000 customer? Probably a $15,000. Exactly right. And that's the science of understanding the value of a customer. Yeah. You know, somebody comes to a bar twice a week, spends $30 each time, that's 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. Right? They come for a year. You know, so that's 60 bucks. Call it, call it $18,000, $2,000. They tip about five, $600 a year. Every person who walks into a bar is worth $500 to the staff. Wow, that's but they crazy don't think, to look at it like that. They don't think that way. They think of it in a singular sense. It's not, I'm getting tipped today, I'm getting tipped tomorrow. If I can get you to come twice a week, Corey, I could be making 10 bucks just off you a week, every week. So understand the value long-term of a customer. Find what stimulates your profits. You know, in menu engineering, you know, I box and shadow the things that I make the most money on, not the things that I make the least money on. So I want to steer you to what's profitable. And treat difficult clients, you know, the, the way they want to be treated, which is give them the relevancy they need. Difficult people are typically fighting for relevancy. Give them the damn relevancy, and you'll find their attitude changes quickly. A big one for me, I never hire for experience. I hire for attitude. A- and attitude is everything. With the right attitude, I can teach somebody anything. Next, find the weakest employee in your business and fire them. that's a powerful one boy if the weakest person in your business is obviously the weakest person in your business by doing that and i call it a landmark fire everybody else suddenly straightens up real quickly and um any athletic team gets rid of their weak link any business should get rid of its rid of its weak link as well and teach don't train i love doing this in seminars you know what the difference between teaching and training is Corey? what Training is behavior modification. That's why we have prisons. If you do something bad, you know, it takes years to train you not to do it again. Mm -hmm. You know, people who just, you know, hunch over when they walk, they have no energy. People walk slow. People who don't look in your eyes. You know, you can't change those things. Those are within their personality. So training would be changing who you are. And that's behavior modification. And behavior modification takes years. That's why we have prisons. <laughs> so we don't train people in any business. All we do is teach them to work in our business. So you better hire the right personality because you're not going to train anyone. You know, simplify things was number eight. Number nine, keep your target demographic in mind. And number 10 was innovate realistically. Uh, um, uh, don't be too creative and step out of the box of your customers. So, you know, it's fun to read something like that that I haven't read in five years. Yeah, there's a bunch of articles on there. I'll start pulling them and uh, just kind of go over them because, I mean, there's, they're how old? 2015? That's... Yeah, it's five years ago. Yeah. Okay, so this was pretty cool. I did not know this existed until you showed me. I don't know what website this was that compared restaurant, kitchen nightmares, and bar rescue. Do you know what site this was? No, I don't. I just saw the article. Oh, well, maybe you can post it for everybody on our social channels. Yeah, definitely. So I'm just going to read this. By now, we know the thing with reality shows is that they're not always that real. 
So what about the shows that take a real-world restaurant or bar and give them whirlwind makeovers? That's all real and has a real impact, right? Well, to find out, we looked at three of TV's most popular reality food shows to find out what their success rates really look like. So the first one on the list was Restaurant Impossible. And by the way, Chef Robert Irvine is a dear friend of mine so, and, and is, uh, is a warrior for our veterans and our military uh, with the biggest heart of anybody I've ever met. So this is a, a, a interesting for me to say because I love him so much. But trying to salvage failing restaurants, but according to Reality TV Revisited, through six seasons and 69 restaurants visited, 52 have closed. That's a failure rate of 75.4%, but 17 are still open. So Restaurant Impossible runs a success rate of 24.6%, according to Reality, Reality TV Revisited. Next, Kitchen Nightmares with Chef Gordon Ramsay, another great guy and a friend. I love Gordon. He's a sweetheart. In the seven seasons tracked by Reality TV Revisited, 106 restaurants have been visited, 76 have closed for a failure rate of 71.7%. That leaves 30 that are open for a success rate of 28.3%. So slightly better than Restaurant Impossible, but still not Hall of Fame numbers. Bar Rescue. <clears throat> Finally, let's take a look at Bar Rescue, hosted by the absolutely frightening John Taffer. <laughs> Their oh, number you're not that bad, Jim. <clears throat> well, that's, they sort of think I am, I guess. <laughs> anyway, finally, let's take a look at Bar Rescue, hosted by the absolutely frightening John Taffer. Their numbers through six seasons are 124 bars visited and 45 closures. That's a failure rate of 38.7%. That means 79 of those bars are still open for a success rate of 61.3%. Not too shabby. Wow. So when you see all those happy endings, remember that reality TV producers ultimately have one goal in mind, to get picked up for another season. While the hosts know their stuff, the productions are just parachuting in to get a compelling episode of reality TV. You know, I think that's very fair. <clears throat> you know, we're there to make TV. But I am incredibly proud of that number. So according to Reality TV Revisited, Bar Rescue has twice the success rate of Kitchen Nightmares or Restaurant Impossible over two times the success rate. Uh, matter of fact, it's almost three times the success rate. Yeah. So I'm pretty proud of that. So uh, when people say, uh, oh, this one closed, or that one closed, you know, buddy, when, when you're hitting 700, you don't mind striking out every once in a while. Right. So the strikeouts come along with it. So have you guys tried my mix, my Taffer's Mixologist? The days of fluorescent, colored, sugary, chemical-laden fake cocktails are finally over. And I don't know about you guys, but I expect a nice, fresh, real ingredient cocktail that's bursting with flavor. And that's exactly what Taffer's cocktail mixtures are. I worked over a year making these with Brian Van Flandoon, who's one of the greatest mixologists in the country. They're affordable and easy for everyone to enjoy. And cheers to that. Make sure you swing by your local retailer before heading into that holiday party and grab a bottle today. The Bloody Mary mix is amazing. It's spicy. It's got a great kick and savory. And if you're stuck in the snow, Close your eyes, take a sip, and make a mental trip to the islands with my unbelievably delicious, I love it too, my mojito mix. So there's seven different flavors. They're available at Walmart and retailers all across the country in, in all 50 states. And if you want to learn more, you can go to taffersmix.com, taffersmix.com. Man, I love that stuff. So we had a couple of fun recipes that we were playing with, and we've had people playing with our mixers and our seltzers. And somebody came up with sparkling pumpkin pineapple for Thanksgiving. 
So it's Taffer's Sparkling Craft Cocktail, my, my uh, pineapple coconut seltzer. You take two ounces of Taffer's Pina Colada mix, ounce and a half of rum, one tablespoon of canned pumpkin, Taffer's Sparkling Coconut Cocktail, pineapple coconut cocktail mix, a little whipped cream, and a couple of apple slices. Man, it's really delicious. And then we Southern Hospitality Gin Bloody Marys, which is just making a Bloody Mary with a gin, a couple of rosemary sprigs, and there's a whole bunch of recipes on taffermix.com. Anyway, these are really fun for Thanksgiving. There's more information on taffersmix.com. And with that, I'll be right back. Don't shut down this podcast. John Taffer will be right back. Use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the events and even bet all the games till the final whistle. And new members get a 100% bonus match using promo code TAFFER101. That's double your money to start winning today. So why would you choose BetDSI? First of all, it's been paying winners for 20 years. It's a top-rated site, and you can use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash this week. It is a really friendly interface. It's got a very cool mobile site, and most important, it's got the fastest payouts in the industry. So BetDSI offers options for everything. You can bet on NFL, NBA, NHL, boxing, and all other major sports, politics, reality TV, esports, virtually everything. So try betting at BetDSI where you can bet on games from start to finish, every play, every minute until the end. And remember, new members get a 100% bonus match using promo code TAFFER101. That's double your money to start winning today. Again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code TAFFER101 to get this limited-time 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash. Guys, it's only a game till you bet at BetDSI. So we've got a new technology that allows you to communicate directly with the show, and you can do that at anchor.fm slash john-taffer-no-excuses. I'm going to give it to you again because it's really cool to interact with the show using it. It's anchor.fm slash john-taffer-no-excuses. And if that's too complicated for you, which I know it is for some of you, <laughs> then you can just send the note to podcast at johntaffer.com. That's podcast at johntaffer.com. Either way, guys, make sure you reach out to me because I'd love to hear from you. This is no excuses. Well, my favorite part of the show is always hearing from you guys. So we let you do audio messages if you like. We let you send texts if you like, send emails if you like. We can even set up phone calls if you want to talk to me. All you have to do is send an email to podcast at johntaffer.com and you can be on the show. And while you're at it, hit subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts, and you'll get your new podcast every Thursday. And don't forget to leave a comment. I love when you guys leave comments. Again, send an email to podcast at johntaffer.com, and you could be on the show. And I'd love to hear your feedback. So we got some audio messages this week? Yeah, we do. Let's get right into it. Hey, John. Just wanted to know if you guys are hiring to sell your seltzer water. Looks pretty amazing. Have some passionate reps behind it. We can do a lot of business in California. Just wanted to see if you need any reps. All right, man. Have a good day. You know, I appreciate somebody who's who's trying to find an opportunity for themselves. Also, I appreciate the fact that he that he'd want to associate himself. But we actually have a full sales team in place. We have about uh, forty five employees in Taffer's Mixologist, and we have chain salespeople as well as you know uh, uh, brand ambassadors. Uh, marketing teams, and, you know, it's a whole bunch of people that work on it. And in California, 
uh, we should be making an announcement, uh, we hope, with regard to BevMo pretty soon, Safeway pretty soon. So uh, uh, California is going really well. I'm not sure we've had 100 retailers yet in California, but we're well over 120 uh, uh, here in Nevada. Also, Florida is growing and Texas is growing. So you can get Taffer Seltzer in uh, Nevada, California, Texas, and Florida. And if you want to know where, you can go to taffersmix.com. Right, Corey? That's where it is, taffersmix.com. Yep. And they have more information about retailers there. Hey, John, this is Jerry from Tennessee. My question is, you know that TV show you've got, Bar Rescues? Uh, what was your motivation? What made you do it? I love that show, man. <laughs> you know, people say, oh, man, I, I, I did it to save lives. You know, people say, oh, you know, I did it because of this. I did it for the freaking money, man. I wanted to be on TV. You know, the story about Rescue Jerry is is, uh, is a funny story. Somebody came up to me, I was giving a speech, said, John, you should be on TV. I wrote up this three-page piece of paper, and I've told this story before. Called It was originally called On the Rocks. And I brought it to a friend of mine who was one of the uh, heads of Paramount Television. It's funny, I'm on the Paramount Network now because it really makes the story even better. And, he, and I sat down with him and I told him I wanted to do this TV show. And he said to me, John, you're crazy. You'll never be on TV. You're not young enough. You're not good looking enough. Forget it. It'll never fucking happen. So I walked out of his office, made my own sizzle reel, sent it to my own production companies. And uh, now, nine years later, Bar Rescue is one of the most successful reality shows of all time. So there's a great story in that, Jerry. Don't listen when people say no. People who say no should get the frick out of the way. So people who say yes can go do what it is they're going to do. And uh, that's how it happened. It was really just a desire to be on TV. I had already made a few dollars, so I wasn't starving to death when I did it. Don't shut down this podcast. John Taffer will be right back. Black Friday is tomorrow. So I thought we'd do something special for you. Go check out my merchandise on my Facebook page at John Taffer right now. The entire shop will be 20% off. You can get a shut it down button or even a shut it down shirt for you and a whole family. The buttons are a blast. There's a limited supply. So go check them out right now on my Facebook page at John Taffer. Well, that does it for this week. I want to wish everybody a very, very happy Thanksgiving. I hope you're spending it with somebody that you love. I hope you get to spend it with family. I hope it's filled with warmth. And this is the beginning of our holiday season, a wonderful time of year where hopefully we can throw divisiveness away, get closer together, and enjoy what's great about our family, enjoy what's great about each other, enjoy what's great about our country, and enjoy what's great about our world because there's a lot of good stuff going for us. There's a lot we have all to be thankful for. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Talk to you next week. And don't forget, subscribe right now. Do it right now any place where you subscribe to your podcasts.